Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I have just, just a bucket list interview for you guys today. I had the pleasure of meeting my guests at one of their shows when they came through Las Vegas a couple of years ago and uh, met them after the show. And they were just such uh, generous and lovely people, really had been uh, influenced heavily by Graham uh, since I was really young, uh, the the Down to Earth album from Rainbow and then the Assault Attack album from Michael Schenker, which should be in an episode following this episode doing a review with Graham and Bethany's thoughts. So I'm really excited to to do that. I love when I get to do album reviews with people that were on the albums. I mean, that's the best for me to get that perspective, to share in those moments of what happened or how things came about. And Graham and gives some great insight. Bethany gives her feelings on the songs because she plays a lot of these songs live. So uh, it was a great time. Had a wonderful time talking to them. Just a quick update on where things are at with me. Uh, the book trilogy is still in editing. It's going to be there for a little while longer. Then it will come back to me for uh, whatever changes my wonderful editor suggests. And uh, I'm working on the album. I've got all the digital tracks recorded. All the keyboard stuff is done. I'm working on bass and drums right now, uh, but my arm is still injured. Uh, apparently, this is going to be going on for some months. So uh, I have to kind of do it a little more slowly than I normally would. I have to do it in chunks uh, just because I don't have the stretch in my arm that I normally would. So playing bass because it's my left arm and playing drums uh, is, is a little tough because I can't reach everything I need to reach as well as I would like to. But coming along nicely, still on target for a mid to late August release. And I'm very excited. The album will be called The Forgotten Puppet Show. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, So that's pretty much everything with me. Screw all that. Let's get to the interview. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today is just a a bucket list day for me. I've been wanting to do this interview for the last couple of years with these two uh, just amazing artists and really wonderful people. And I'd like to welcome to the show Graham Bonnet and Bethany Heavenstone. How are you guys? Hey, we're doing good. So far, so good. Don't spoil our day. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me everything you ever did wrong. No. I will. Absolutely. We uh, one of the ways that that we connected was that I happened to be watching an episode of Orange is the New Black for some reason. And I heard this song and I'm like, I know this song. And, you know, that moment where it, it you recognize it, but you can't place it. And then at some point I went, that's Night Games. Yes, it is. What a random reference. I know. And so I, I wrote to you guys and I said, hey, congratulations on the on the placement. And you said, what? I yeah. <laughs> tell, tell them what happened. Basically, we, how we found out about that song being in the movie. Wasn't it so true for any of you? Was it you that was watching the No, somebody, the show? was it you that told me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. It was somebody oh. wrote to me and they said, you know, like, hey, congrats. And that was you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, what an honor to be on that show, you know, for one. But I thought, oh, crap, I didn't write the bloody thing. You know, it's written, by another, <laughs> written by another guy, but that is me, yes. It's a yeah, but, but you're recognized for the song. Uh, oh, yeah, that's uh, that was my single in uh, England that went into the top 10 or whatever when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was released in Europe as well, but never here. Until Orange is the... What's it called? Orange is the Orange, Orange is the New Black. Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't watch the show, but I did that one time because I wanted to hear if it was was me and not a you know cover or something. Right, because that's very common that they'll do reversions of yeah. it so that they don't have to pay the performance royalties. 
right exactly or but can't I, get the rights what what when i went to japan a little while ago there's a guy in japan who who died in, in fact i can't remember his damn name a solo singer that's really like a big star in japan he covered night games and a band called anthem that i've done an album with they asked me over to come and do night games with the japanese uh, track oh. as i said the guy had died but they wanted me to sing just the chorus with him. He did a great version, fantastic version. And so his manager came down to watch me do the chorus with him, you know, because the rest is all in Japanese. So <laughs> my game, blah, 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 just that bit, you know, which was, I was very, you know, like, oh, that's all I've got to do. I haven't got to sing in freaking Japanese, which is great. I mean, the guy, the guy's record, he went to number one in, uh, in Japan. I think, I think wow. it was... Hideki Saito, maybe? Oh, Hideki Saito. 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 He's not a Saito. 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 Uh, was uh, put down by by the anthem band and uh, for, for stuff, you know, the other stuff we sort of made a cover of or a new version of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I spent a couple of days there, you know, recording with anthem, and we were going to do a tour like last year, but of course the thing happened, the thing, and they cancelled. It would have been damn great to play with them again because they're a fantastic band. You know, it, they're just like uh, you know, loudness and anthem, my two favorite Japanese bands. Oh, and, perfect! Uh, and they're fucking great. But we didn't get to do it. It was so disappointing. You know, September, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but uh, when I did the night games thing, um, it was just, it was in like one take. It was great. This guy sings so great. I didn't have to worry about it. I just mm-hmm. sang along with him in kind of unison. And it was fantastic. And his manager was there who came out after the show and he shook my hand. And he was crying. And, you know, I, I can imagine. I was probably his best friend. Well, and, and that's such a dream come true for people to be able to work with their, you know, some of their favorite artists. It's yeah, one yeah. of the great things that's come out of this this situation is that uh, a lot of artists are offering to do tracks for people. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. going to be at a premium price, of course, but yeah, yeah. they're, you know, to be able to have Russell Gilbert from Uriah Heap drum on one of my songs, you know, that's, that's yeah, a yeah, pretty yeah. amazing thing. I wanted to ask you, uh, if I remember right, wasn't it was Cozy that was on drums on Night Games and then you had John yeah. Lord on keyboards? Yeah. How did that happen? Well, because of, I've known those guys for quite a long while. And uh, John, I knew from White Snake earlier on, and also from Deep Purple. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, that was on, taken from an album that we did in London. Uh, Cozy was on there, John Lord, uh, Don Airy, um, and uh, what did I always forget the bass player's name, you know, uh, Scotty. From Night Games? Yeah, you no, know, the Scottish guy called not Neil Murray. Yeah, Neil. Oh, yeah, Neil. Whitesnake, okay. Yeah, Neil Murray. I, can, I don't know, I can never remember his name. Um, Neil Murray. Hi, hello there, Neil. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he, he was on there for a few uh, takes, but for some reason he had a bit of a problem. I don't know what was wrong with him, but he, he had to quit. And we got this guy in called uh, Gary Twig, who's not very well known, I don't think, but a fucking great bass player. But, but Neil, Paul Neil, I don't know what he was going through. It's going some through some, I don't know, mental, you know, something or other. I'm not sure. Or he's either taking getting boozed up too much. I, I'm not quite sure. But Cozy had the same thing at one time. 
I remember we were doing the track on that album and Cozy stopped and uh, he went in to see the producers. What the fuck is wrong with me? I used to be a great drummer. He said, I can't play for fuck today. And so Cozy went home. We thought we had to get another drummer in. Wow. But next day he came in and he was okay. He was fine. But something, you know, something, no, I don't know, red light syndrome, I don't know what the hell he was. But I get that where, oh, I can't fucking say. You know, it happens. Yeah. And anyway, Neil didn't come back, but Gary Twig took over his, his place playing mm-hmm. bass. And uh, it turned out great. As I said, you know, how can you fail with a band like that? Mickey Moody playing guitar, you know, John Lord and, uh, you know, Don Airy and Cozy Bloody Pal. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So, that's a winner. Yeah. Cozy was back in and played some fucking great drums. Yeah. Boy, I, boy. He, Cozy is one of those people that I really wish I'd had the chance to meet. I have a feeling I would have really yeah. liked him. That's what too. I say that all the time. Like, if I could have just played with him, that would have been it. Oh. Oh I yeah, love the way he plays, and it's funny you mentioned making love, but there's just a little accent he does on that song that you just feel the passion. Like, I yeah. love the way he plays. Mm-hmm. Played, yeah. yeah, and that's that's He's, one for you, Graham. I have to one. say, uh, at at the end of making love, you really bring out a lot of passion in that song. You know, between the it's, the switch that Roger makes. Oh my God, I'm holding back. I'm sorry, what? Repartee. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was no double entendre there. That, that was just meant vocally, but yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I must have missed that. Uh, okay. What did you say? You you really bring yeah. the passion in that song at the end. I mean, just just how powerful you are when you're when you're just kind of singing what you feel in that moment. And that's one of the things I've always loved about your vocals. In fact, when we met in, in Vegas at Count Bamped, I told you, and I'll see if you remember the response you gave to me. I said, you know, Graham, it's not that you have an amazing voice and it's not that you're a great singer. It's that every time I hear you sing a song, it sounds like the first time you've ever sang it. You know, you don't dial in a performance. I really feel like it's the first time and you're excited about sharing that story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously it really is the first time you start, you know, a new album, whatever. And you look at the look at the words and you, you sing it through. What happens to me? You sing it through once. And then the producer usually says to me, you sound like you're reading. And uh, that does happen. It, you sound like you're reading because the, the feel isn't there, the passion, as you say. So I try to sort of memorize each like, a couple of lines at a time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then hang on, what's the rest of it? Then look at the piece of paper again. Oh, okay, carry on. But because uh, I want that to be in the song if I can do it, even though you think the song is kind of like a weak song, but you you turn it around and make it yours if you can. And exactly. if you think I put passion into it, I appreciate that because because I do. I try to, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't want to sound like bloody, you know, some kind pop singer or something that you know what I mean with no feel whatsoever. Right. Sings all the notes, but doesn't sing the song. You've got to tell the story. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try to do. If possible, you know, it doesn't always work, but I try the best I can. Well that's you what know? it was that you said to me. You said somebody told me a long time ago, don't sing the song, sing the story. Yes. And and I've that's really a- taken that to heart. I, that was one of the best pieces of advice I've ever heard. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's what I do now when I write to, you know, our new stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I tell a story. I tell a story about something I've experienced or I know about or I've seen on TV news or something, which I did with Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about real life and real disaster, not, uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and Devils, but the real the real world is more scary than the fantasy world. There's a lot of, you know, music. Right. It's always a, there's always a skeleton in front of a, some creature on front of the album cover, which 
I, I don't get and I never will. But mm. um, I, I understand it because people like to hear, you know, tales of swords and dragons and kings in castles and all that stuff. But I, I'm writing usually about what I've experienced instead of what is fantasy. Yeah, it was, it was uh, what, October 2019, I think. Yeah, that was a fun Ooh. show with Bob Kulik. That was great. Oh, yeah. yeah. I found yeah. Bob since I was like a teenager. Me too. And getting to play with him, that was great. Oh, that was amazing. And you guys had so much energy. I just loved watch. That could have gone on another two hours and I would have been fully entertained. You oh, guys really? might have been a little tired by then, but <laughs> I was happy <laughs> yeah, to sit there and watch I you work. That was Bob's uh, swan song, as far as I know. You know, and uh, some of the last photographs of him were taken with us and... You know, it's so we've lost so many people that we love, so many people that we hate too with this fucking disease that's going around this virus. But but, but yeah. Bob was another it was another thing with Bob. It wasn't the virus. We had a similar doctor. I, I and he said, I'm not breaking confidentiality because he's passed away, but he said it wasn't like a drug overdose uh, overdose or anything like that. It was yeah. natural causes, it was his heart. Oh, I'll tell you, it just it just seemed like you guys were all so happy playing together. It was just such a natural thing for him to jump on and, and play with you guys. That was a I'm so glad I got to see that. Well, well me too to be part of it because I haven't seen him for bloody years. Yeah. And uh, we, we just we used to fight quite a lot, but this was a nice calm day. <laughs> we used to fight about certain songs, you know, music, lyrics, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff that a regular band does. But to play with somebody like Bob, who was the most fantastic guitar player and such a great musician, you know, kind of got over that. Okay, yeah. you don't agree with what I'm doing musically. We can do this. And eventually me and Bob got together and wrote music together that was, you know, it did work. But he mm -hmm. thought it wouldn't because of my words, because of my melodies. Can You know, you can just say, Wah! you know, you got all that stuff, which is okay. But that's not what I do. No, no. <laughs> No, <laughs> the shower, but no. <laughs> I, I will throw out there that if you're ever interested and get the chance to do it, I would love to hear you do an album of 60s covers done yeah. your own way. Yeah. You know, yeah, Motown and stuff like that. Oh, shit. Yeah. I mean, that's my that's my favorite kind of music. I love R&B music. That's how I first started in the biz kind of thing was uh, singing pop music and R&B and, you know, soul, if you will. And blue stuff, you know. But as time went on, it, I got more kind of commercial sound. And then suddenly I'm in Rainbow. Uh, so things changed again. It's right. been up and down, you know, in the music genre for me. But it's great because it's a challenge. But but I can I, I can do it, which I'm very proud of, because I thought with Rainbow I would never fit, apart from my voice. You know, that was the only thing that seemed to be okay. But the way I looked, yeah. you know, the way I dressed, blah, 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 blah. I didn't seem like I fit within a so-called rock band. Well, and I get where Richie was coming from on that, but at the same point, it just irks me that music needs some sort of visual enhancement to sell it. Yeah. You know, it, it, it should just be the music, but to get people to listen to music. Yeah, I'm here with you. Yeah. She said, yeah, <laughs> and I said, yeah, too. Now, well, I, I, God, I find the, um, the, well, that's the thing. The visual enhancement is necessary when you don't have the music to back it and you just need something really beautiful mm -hmm. to capture someone's attention. But with Graham, you know, he had it all. I Honestly, I didn't know anything about Graham until we met. I really didn't. I had seen the rainbow videos. That was it. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, 
And I was like, well, yeah, that guy has short hair and everybody else doesn't or whatever. But uh, I think, you know, Graham was, Graham is devastatingly handsome and his voice <laughs> is otherworldly. So really, yeah, you know, yeah. he's the complete package as far as, as that goes. But yeah. it's also taken on a life of its own because, you know, I read things on the internet about people talking about how, you know, an armed guard was hired to make sure Grant didn't go out and cut his hair when really, I think it was <laughs> Yeah, I know, look how long it is now. Get a haircut, hippie. This is called uh, COVID's hair, I think. <laughs> I didn't go to a hairdresser because I was scared shitless about getting the thing. The Rona. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, so when, when we first uh, went into lockdown, I was scheduled to move less than a yeah. month later. So when yeah. I'm thinking about... I'm renting a truck. I don't know who's cleaned it. I don't know who's right. cleaned the apartment I'm moving into. I don't know the people that are moving my boxes. Exactly. It's really scary because this is when it first started. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So I, I can't go to anybody who's going to be touching my head. I can do now, but I'm just so bothered to go and get, you know, always wearing a mask. I would usually have a beard as well, which is kind of horrible. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, I was doing, you know, what I was doing when it first happened. I was getting, going to the market, buying stuff, and wiping down every fucking container. Oh, yeah, like, oh, all that shit. I, yeah, I guess you would have done that too. Yeah. Well, if you if you think about, you know, in the 80s, when AIDS first became a publicly aware thing, we were yeah. terrified of mosquitoes. I mean, we had so yeah. much misinformation that it's kind of not surprising it happened with this because they just didn't know. No. Well, right. Do you want to say something? Yeah. I'm going to say anything <laughs> He's not talking. No, I mean we all were, we didn't know initially like how easily it spread and whether it was just um, respiratory or through touch. Mm -hmm. But now we know it, it. Really, you know, all you needed was the mask and just wash your hands. And I do have a couple questions about your your past, and I'm going to get through those fairly quickly so we can get to the exciting <laughs> stuff you guys are doing now, which uh, already sounds like you have a full plate. But yeah. uh, was it was it then interesting to come in and to Rainbow and start singing songs like Stargazer that were just not something at all that you were used to doing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I had to listen to all those songs that uh, Ronnie recorded before before I did my version, so to speak, and I, I turned it around as much as I could. Stargazer, I love that freaking song. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite Rainbow songs ever. And um, what's the other one? Uh, oh God. Uh, Another one I really like. I can't think of it right now. <laughs> Stargazer, yes. It has so many different elements in it. It, mm -hmm. it progresses all the way. It's very progressive. And it's great to sing. It's in a nice range. It's got higher parts, low parts, mid-range. You know, mid and it's mm -hmm. just so beautiful to sing. Yeah. And um, my, I remember when my mum and dad worked on um, uh, the Donington uh, show, you know, with Castle and Donington, you know, heavy... What was it called? Monsters of Rock. Monsters of Rock, yeah. Yeah, the very first one. My mum and dad were in the audience and they, they said, what is that song about the stars? I said, oh, Stargate. My mum and dad said, that's great. And if they say it's great, I know it is. <laughs> <laughs> I always, you know, take tapes home, um, you know, after we did a, a session and play it to them and see what they thought of the tracks when we're doing um, Alcatraz. Oh, we nice. over for a while and were interested in what I was doing, you know, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you guys did an amazing version at Donington of, of Stargazer, I have to say. Of all the, the live versions I've heard you do of it, that was the best. You guys were just on oh, fire yeah. at that show. Catch the Rainbow. That's Catch the, the Oh, yeah. That's yeah. fucking great, that one. I, I just love those two songs. It, you can put a lot of passion into those things because they sort of mean a lot. They mean something. 
And, and isn't it amazing to, to listen to a guy like Ronnie who can sing a song like Kill the King or Man on the Silver Mountain, but then you hear him sing with that gentleness and catch the rainbow that you yeah, just yeah. don't expect to come out of him. He did a couple songs on yeah. Roger Glover's Butterfly Ball that were like that, where I'm like, right. I would never have thought that he could sing that way. But it's uh, he was such an another just amazing artist. Yeah, he was. I mean, he wrote the bloody song, for Christ's sake. Mm -hmm. It's perfect because of all those different elements. It's a, right. challenge, a challenge for a singer, but it makes it more interesting. You know, I don't have to go and ah, I'm trying to do that all the bloody time. I can sing, ah, nice and smooth and gentle and meaningful. You know, that's when emotion comes into a song, when you're not just screaming and show how many high notes you can do. That's right. not what you get. You know, if, I, if I hear some of that on the new Alcatraz album, I'm going to call you out on it. Oh, well, yeah, I'll probably you will. <laughs> All right, sorry. Fair enough. <laughs> so uh, when you joined Rainbow, though, you weren't a lyricist yet. Is that right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wrote songs uh, for myself back in the 1970s, but I'd never done anything like this because it was all kind of like uh, some sort of classical sounding music and I didn't know where the verse would come in or middle part or whatever the hell and a so-called chorus. And so Roger Glover helped me out and Richie helped me out a lot with that. But mainly me and Roger worked together because I wasn't used to this kind of music. What do I do here, Roger? He said, he would give me a quick, say, you well, you'll go, you know, he would hum me something. He said, now interpret that to your own, you know, your own version of what I just sung. Right. And so that's what I would do is basically Roger would sort of semi-demo it for me. And he said, now take it where you will. And that's what we did. That's how we did it. And but you know it took me two or three songs in there, but oh I know what's happening now. I got right. used to it. I got mm -hmm. used to it. Sure. Well when I make up a tune, it's usually with my guitar, and I know exactly what I'm gonna do, where it's gonna go, blah blah, blah all the different sections. But this has so much bloody so-called orchestration in the music, it was like, bloody hell, do you need a vocal on this at all? You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> myself. Well, I can't I can't argue with the way it came about because it's one of my all time favorite albums. I mean, I don't like to play those desert album games and things, but if I had to, that would be one of the ones that would absolutely be on my oh. iPod. Uh, I mean, until I ran out of batteries. Uh, but, but Bethany, what was it like for you to learn the bass parts to do some of those songs live from down to earth? Some were challenging. Some were very, oh, my God, eyes of the world. Very challenging. <laughs> Just. Mm -hmm you know, because of octaves and I have little tiny hands, um, but it was beautiful. I mean, it was, the whole experience was beautiful because I wasn't familiar with the material. Uh, Graham and I hadn't been working together very long. And initially we were just friends and we were just working together. So during the process of learning this material and, and putting together our band, we sort of realized that, you know, our feelings for each other had shifted and were, you know, so it, it sort of like it fell in love to that album in a way. Sure. Yeah. Not I, a thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. I was using. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think Roger is is kind of an underrated bass player. I think that I really, say that all the time. Yeah. yeah. You ask me. His feel is so beautiful because we, you know, especially in this genre of music, it's become a game of how quick can you move your fingers? You know, like that neoclassical guitar. And I'm not knocking mm -hmm. it because it, right. it can be amazing, mm -hmm. but it can also just sound like background noise depending on who's doing it. But also even with the bass, people started playing the bass like a guitar. A frustrated guitar players took up the bass and made that into a different sort of uh, instrument. But for me, 
it's not what notes you play, it's where you play them rhythmically. And I always tell people that I intuit music in three places, either in the head, which is not good, in the heart, which is, is nice, or in the crotch, which is really good. That's where you want to feel the bass, you know? Mm. So I will talk about people to go, oh, he's a crotch player. <laughs> like John Paul Jones, crotch player, because it's, and, it's, and I'm not being lascivious, but no, it, yeah. As human beings, we we feel different sensations for different reasons. So if music mm -hmm. can ignite your soul and your crotch. Yeah. No, I agree. I find that when I'm writing, if I'm if I'm sitting at a keyboard, if I'm wiggling around while I'm playing the music, it means that there's something especially good about that music to my to exactly. my ear because it's making me feel that. You know, it's speaking to your inner caveman, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 I mean, look at Tori Amos. She's a perfect example. I mean, she wiggles around on that piano bench like she's got a fish in her pants. And, oh, and wow. you know, and she's just, she's so <laughs> into what she's feeling, you know? Okay. I just have to say, as a woman, that's the last thing you want to hear. <laughs> I would think so. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you're still alive. <laughs> yeah. Our guitar, our last guitar player, I had bought this stage clothing that looked amazing, but it was uh, flame treated with flame retardant. So it did it. <laughs> the first few times until you really washed it, it had an odor like fish. And we got on the stage in Tokyo and I was, oh, I've been moving around like a maniac. I, I said to our manager, I said, do you want me to play well or do you want me to put on a show? He said, put on a show. We can edit it later. Don't worry about what you sound like. Just look good. So I was all over the place, jumping off the drum riser and shit. Anyway, I was sweating and I got off stage and I, I smelled like a sardine can. It was freaking <laughs> off. I was mortified. And I said to my guitar player, I'm like, do, do I, do, do, do my pants smell like fish? He was like, yeah, fish pants. You <laughs> started calling me that. <laughs> like, oh, wow. I didn't mean to hit a nerve. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very confident. Don't worry. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Well, I, I have to say, having seen you guys perform as the Grand Bonnet Band, it was such an incredibly enjoyable show because you guys were, you were in it the whole time. I didn't feel like there was any point where you lost focus or you were like, okay, I can't wait till we finish this song. You were engaged the entire show. And I love that. I, it really drew me in aside from the fantastic performances um, there was just a connection that I felt you guys were feeling with the music that really made it a special show for me because I don't always get that no matter how good a band performs. Right. There's a difference. Absolutely. Mm. That's cool. That's a, a tremendous compliment. We, we, we never see the, you know, we can't look at ourselves, obviously. It's uh, when, when I hear an opinion like that, it's, it's like, really? <laughs> you know, yeah. because you don't realize what you're doing, you know, right. but you but that's what yeah. we're feeling. I mean, that's how I feel on stage with Bethany and, you know, whoever's in the band, especially with Bethany, because mm. she's my... Best friend. My best friend. <laughs> and course, stuff. yeah. You know, and if, if it's a passionate song, I, I look at her and... Yeah, we got admonished for that for yeah. a couple of years. It's really a drag. Like, don't touch her so much. Stay away from her. Get off her side of the stage. Just let us be. We're enjoying ourselves. It's natural. It's real. You know, you know what I like is in the moment. I like whatever the moment is, be in that moment. Um, yeah. If it feels too staged, like you yeah. both go to the other end of the stage and you turn and you look at each other and you run, oh, shut up, <laughs> Just play the song, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, well, not quite Captain and Tennille, but. Um... <laughs> well, Graham has this thing. Love will keep you together. <laughs> yeah, love will. He does right. this thing. And it's not just to me. He, I've seen him do it to Conrad, our guitar player. He's, he 
he'll be really getting into the song and he'll come up behind you and he'll swing his hand and like he'll, he'll slap me on the ass really hard or he'll get Conrad on the back and you're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you got to have fun with it. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't mind. I, I, the only thing I mind is, um, and that he had a hard time because he did it to Ingve once, but he has kicked my cable out so many times. That happened. He just gets into it and I'm like, oh, I okay. don't think that you reacted the same way that Ingve did that day. <laughs> Not quite. I've heard that story. Yeah. yeah. Ingve and I have the same birthday, which was just last week. Isn't that That's funny? right. And belated happy birthday too. I think when I, when I uh, wished you a happy birthday on Facebook, I think I did it under my Uriah Heat podcast logo instead of mine. Uh, oh, yeah. but, but, but either way, happy birthday. Thank you. It was good. Yeah. I had had the pleasure, Graham, of seeing you uh, shortly before I saw you guys as the Grand Bonnet Band when you were in Vegas for Michael Schenker Fest playing at the House of Blues at uh, Mandalay Bay. I was so blown away by that show because not only was I getting to see Michael Schenker perform for the first time with, with every different singer, but it was it was just such a beautiful thing how you guys all came out saying backups for each other, supported each other. Yeah, I yeah. didn't feel like anybody said, Hey, this is my song. <laughs> you know, it really felt unified and, and that you were all there to support each other. And I loved that about the show. Yeah. It was hard work. I can tell you, we rehearsed, I don't know, before we actually did the first show, probably about a week of real rehearsal. So everything was just so you know, this is listen closely to you know studio recordings. Who what, who's going to do that? Who's going to sing that bit? It was really like that working out harmonies and also singing the best you fucking could. And that's what we all did. I think everybody did such a great job. All the singers, oh they yeah, did their best. And I, I was blown away myself. It's like fuck you, no, know, that's bloody good, man. You know, I'm going ooh and ah in the background. I, I'm watching the guy sing up front, and you can see what's happening. See his little shoulders, you know. See all the work he puts into it from singing, because you use yeah. all the parts of your body as you're singing, you probably know. Mm -hmm. The back of your legs, your bum, your shoulders, your neck, everything goes into it. And your bollocks. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Your yeah. bollocks mainly. You put your microphone stand if you do it, you know, all that. Oh, you're talking about David Coverdale now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, it's great. Those guys are so professional, so bloody good. And if they have an off day, they still fucking do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I loved at the end too when you all kind of came together because you know I figured you'd done a bunch of shows already. You still had a few shows to go on the tour, but it felt like you guys were just caught up so much in what you were feeling in that moment. That was a, that the ending of the show was just as beautiful as as every other moment in the show. Oh, it was really touching to see, and of course, getting to see Ted McKenna play uh, yeah. as a drummer was a, a huge highlight for me. Bless him. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm known him for a long time. Well, obviously from the album I did with him and, you know, I was, he's such a gentle soul, such a great guy, no no ego whatsoever, has great stories and Scottish. And a hell of a drummer. <laughs> he's hell of a drummer. He's a hell of a fucking drummer. Graham used to yeah. say watching him drum was like watching him butter toast. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, that's that smooth or he's oh, yeah. that smooth, even when he's like giving it fuck, you know, really punching the shit out of it. Mm. it it's also like, okay, I think I'm a bit marmalade on here. I'm probably a bit, yeah. It was so smooth the way he changed from instrument to instrument, drum to drum. It just, he was amazing. Like, just so fluid. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I love listening to him because he just seems like he can be in five or six places at the same time. It, it doesn't sound yeah. human sometimes what he does. Yeah. But was it kind of a disappointment in the beginning for you, though? Because when you went to Michael Schenker, you thought you were going to be playing with Cozy. Yeah. Well, I mean, Cozy got me into Shanker Band. You know, I went to see them play at a club here. I can't remember what it was. It might have been FM Station when I was still alive. And uh, after the show, Cozy came up to me. I was on one of the balconies and uh, he came up and he said, what do you think about the band? I said, fucking great. Because I didn't know who Michael Schenker was. Cozy told me about he joined this band with a guy from Germany called Michael Schenker. I had no idea about UFO, et cetera, and all that, you know, Scorpion connection. I, I didn't know because I don't listen to that music very much myself, you know. I play it, but I don't want to hear I want to hear something different than I know. So anyway, <laughs> he came up and said, what do you think? I said, fucking Amazing. I said, what a player. And I said, Cozy, you were just you know, the best. And he said, well, um, how do you feel about joining the band then? I said, well, why? You have Gary singing. What, what, what for? He said, well, I think he's going to go. What do you mean he's going to go? <laughs> it was basically, they made him go, <laughs> I think. You know, I'm not sure about that. Don't, yeah, you know, but I think he probably had enough or they'd had enough of each other. But he was gone, and then before I knew it, uh, Michael was sending me uh, tapes. Tapes, remember those folks? Oh yeah, cassettes. Mm-hmm. He's sending me tapes with the uh, you know tracks on them to uh, write words and melodies to. So it was all up to Cozy. We, we rehearsed together, me and Cozy and Michael and Chris for uh, God, I don't know how long. Pretty about uh, a month, maybe. We were all together. We, we lived in a house in London. And uh, we all rehearsed together. Cozy went back to Oxford sometimes, and I would go with him because it got a bit much in that house, too many people. And uh, so he, we were in the middle of a, a rehearsal session, and something went wrong. I can't remember what the fuck it was now. But Michael came into the room in tears after me speaking to Cozy. So something had happened. He just said, I can't take it anymore, Cozy. You're making me cry. You're making me angry. You know? And he fired Cozy that day. Wow. Yeah, I thought it was a bit of a shit. I was ready to go then during rehearsals mm. because my best friend was going, going being fired. Right. But um, no, then, then Ted came in when we went over to um, Switzerland to um, you know actually put the tracks down. He'd heard all the tracks at home. Then when he came in, we, we, I remember we put him in the stairwell of the uh, chateau and the fucking drum sound was amazing. And anyway, that's another story. But I'm saying yeah. he came over. He just listened to what Cozy had been doing in rehearsal mm-hmm. and took it one step further. Yeah. And when, when we heard him play down that stairwell, fucking hell, it was like bloody cannons going off. It was amazing. And as I said, what a – but at the same time, he's doing this <laughs> – he's like playing jazz or something, which, of course, he can. Oh, that's, yeah. That's yeah. terrible. He plays all kinds of really weird music. I've heard some of his tracks and you think, how the fuck does he play with Michael Schenker? He's got nothing to do with that at all. Mm-hmm. Completely sort of, um, you know, avant-garde music, really weird stuff. But he's all there. He's all there. It's little little sounds and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's a drummer. He's a great percussionist, a great drummer. Absolutely. I, 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 he is because he is to me. I would have loved to have heard what Cozy would have done on the album, but I have yeah, to say yeah. what, what Ted did was fantastic. I, I have yeah. no complaints about his performance at all. Yeah, yeah. I'm really glad you stayed because that Assault Attack is another one of my mm. all-time favorite albums. Uh, mm. And we're going to get into that in a bit. But what I want to ask you guys now is, so you have a lot going on. You've got a lot of moving parts. So you're doing a Grand Bonnet Band album. You're doing an Alcatraz album. And some other stuff. Uh, yeah. 
how do you decide what song goes on what album? Is it just by the style of the song? The Graham Bonnet Band has a very definitive sound because it's not just Graham writing. It's, you know, it's all of us get together. Mm-hmm. And especially we have Conrad back, who was the guitar player on the first record. And that's when we were at our happiest, when the three of us were together, because we had started the band together. And I had played with Conrad in another band. I brought him to Graham. Mm-hmm. And he's he's underrated. He's a great player, but he's also super creative. And he is producing the record. And I have no doubt it's going to be fantastic. But uh, there are certain, you know, he's constantly creating. and He'll play something. And as soon as I hear it, I kind of know that's not going to be right for this. Mm-hmm. The Grand Bonnet Band is going to be, this album's a little bit heavier than the first two, I believe. Uh, but it's still not like Alcatraz style. Mm-hmm. So he, it really is just the style of the song that decides what goes where. I don't know what we're going to do with all the ballads. I mean, there he writes ballads constantly. They're so beautiful. But we, you know, if you're on a heavy metal hard rock label, you might be able to get one on there, you know? So yeah. I I think at some point he's going to do an album of ballads and just put it, you know, I have other friends that have labels that we could, shop it too and because mm-hmm. they're beautiful i mean heart-wrenchingly beautiful i would i would very much be up for hearing that so if, if you're taking votes you got one right here okay all right cool yeah. do it and you know you had posted something graham about uh doing a song with gene simmons um a friend of mine here in vegas an actor just worked with him i think it was on a commercial but you know i would say uh if you have the desire to do it and you get the opportunity do it why not yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah, like you're saying, everybody's doing, playing on each other's albums. We're like, oh, how much going to go? Don't worry about it. No fucking TV involved here. Just come and play my fucking album. Yeah. I'd love to. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I've only met him once. I met him once when we were doing a show. He was on the show. Where was that? Where Japan. That was Loud Park. Oh, Japan. Loud Park in Japan. Japan. Mm-hmm. And so I met him in the corridor. <laughs> Bethany dragged me along to see him. And uh, he did a little video for Bethany's son to say, what did he say? Just to encourage my son had started playing drums and he was giving him words of encouragement. I was always asking, but I got, I got Ace to do it. We played with him too. Oh, yeah. Nice. So now he's 17. He's like, mom, fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> he was a kiss man. Yeah. I mean, when he was younger, that was amazing. But when we, yeah. uh, we took a photo with Gene and he is hilarious. He's like, now don't grab my ass, you know, like, <laughs> but he keeps a really like stoic face and, and the, the picture he posted, the two of us are cracking up because he just, you know, he cracked a joke and then he just himself stayed very stoic and we couldn't stop laughing. He would have to be the greatest poker player. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, very much. But yeah. he towered over you guys. I mean, he's just oh, yeah, a yeah. presence, that guy. You know what? I actually looked at his feet that when, when we were standing together. I'm like, is he wearing heels? And I'm like, jeez, he's a long drink of water. Yeah. He's a big guy. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's a presence for sure. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So, so just to clarify, so it is the, the Graham Bonnet Band album that you're looking to have released this fall? That's going to yeah. be, yes. Okay. And then the Alcatraz one is obviously a little bit more up in the air. Currently. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, but it will happen at some point, I'm sure. Yes. No matter what. I mean, yeah. no matter what, because the, the trademark fight's going to go on for a while. So there's either going to be a cease and desist where none of us can use it or both of them 
we use it. I shouldn't say us because he wants me to, to be part of that project, but I feel like that muddies the water because I'm in the Grant Bonnet band and you want it to be two separate projects. He just wants to keep me around, but I said, I'll be the tour manager. Yeah, I also want to keep Conrad in, in yeah, but, as well. But you yeah. can't do it. Otherwise, but, it's it's not two different bands. I, I know, but I just want to uh, maybe to have a different look at uh, what Alcatraz is or was. Instead of having a keyboard bloody player, have, a, have a, two guitar players. Just to make it different. And have right. her play because she's a woman and people like her anyway. Oh, yeah. Love, love her. Once um, again, the boobs get the job. And the boobs get that's, the job. That's how I do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know what you said. I'm just, uh, yeah. I'm almost up to an A cup now. It's getting worse. <laughs> Doesn't everybody take something out or other? Uh, yes. Yeah, so no, it's another story. Thank you very much. Right. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 I'm hoping for yeah. the best for you guys. But, but the, the most important thing is that one way or another, the music comes out. That's, and that yeah, I'm sure great. will happen one way or another. What, what we have going now, I think it's going to be very pleasing to people who like first uh, Graham Bonnet album. They'll like this too, because again, Conrad is involved. He's a very musical guy. And oh, he's amazing. He's really got some, all that, you know, production thing together in his head. And he's a great, uh, he writes great songs, great, you know, like, uh, um, uh, sort of um, rock songs, I guess you'd call them. But uh, He's super detail-oriented too. So he's always thinking of little things like, hey, what if we, yeah. and he'll pick an unusual instrument. Like his yeah. arrangement ideas are very cool. Yeah. That's nice. That's what I like, you know. Yeah. Like on the the Alcatraz album I did with the last one I did with the, that lot, I decided that, that we should have the ballad done with the horns, the horns, you know, and no, nothing else, not drums, no guitars drumming away, but just uh, like a Salvation Army band. You know, you sit in the street at Christmas. Or You're whatever. talking about? Is it uh, Tony? It's only, yeah. Only, yeah. I, I, I got to tell you, uh, I have a hard time listening to that song. Uh, and, and not because it's not a beautiful song, because it is, but because it's a beautiful song. You know, it just, it's one of those ones that just reaches right through my rib cage and just squeezes my heart. And it's, it's tough to listen to because of that. But that, that's the sign of incredible songwriting and performance. You know, if you can, if you can touch me in that way, then it you've really found a, a way to to reach me and and I can't imagine anyone with any kind of soul hearing that song and not just being completely overcome by it. Thank you. That's why, I mean, in the first place, I thought, well, we're not going to do this as a, a fucking heavy metal band. It's not going to be like that. What yeah. reminds me of my brother? One of the most things that I remember about him is holding my hand in the street, looking after me, looking at this little boy that uh, he took out every day in the summertime. Mm-hmm. And holding my hands, and then at Christmas time, the Salvation Army man is outside of a store or something. He was my hero, and uh, he hasn't been gone from the surf too long. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know how long because it's not one of those days I keep my head because it kind of hurts. September, hey, yeah, yeah. what I think it was September 23rd. September 23rd, and what year was it? 2016. Yeah, about that, 2016. So what, um, what I did with that was I, I said to, to the guys, you know, when we're, I said, I don't want guitars. I don't want drums, blah, blah, blah. This has got to come from the heart. I want this just to come from me to my brother, mm-hmm. who I love desperately and still do and miss him. I said, he was my hero. I love the comb back hair, all that stuff. You know, the Teddy Boy thing that he was, was part of the 1950s. 
Mm. I just loved his look and the way he was. He's such a gentle person. The opposite to me, quiet and soft. And, you know, he, he, sing, he was a singer, but he had a very soft voice. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's got to be from the heart and real. You know, no bullshit, no bloody reverb on the fucking boat, whatever. I want this just to be me. And I, I did it one time. I said, I can't do that again. I sang it once. And if there's mistakes in there, I don't care. I can only sing it this once without without this happening. I, I would say if there was anything that happened that wasn't technically right, uh, it would have brought just brought out the honesty and the emotion. You know, I, I think we get too caught up in everything having to be so perfect and quantizing yeah, yeah. drums and everything just being yeah. exact. You know what I love is I love music from the 70s because when you listen to it, they're not playing exactly together. No, um, and you're talking studio recordings where somebody could yeah. have said, uh, "You're doing that over." They yeah. didn't. They said, "That's what you played. It's yeah. close enough. It sounds like human beings playing it." I think we've really yeah. lost that. Yeah, now it does get a bit clinical because we can do that now. Yeah, because things along. Oh, that you're two beats too late or you're a beat too early. Too early. Let's make this. Dead. I was working with a, a German guy um, a couple of years ago who was Michael Michael Schenker's. Um, Oh, Michael Voss, his Michael name Voss. Is Michael Voss. Oh, yeah. He's a producer. And uh, he said, yeah, that's that. I did two tracks in my thing, or something or other. And uh, the album, I think, I guess, the Michael Shanker album. And uh, he said to me, don't worry, Graham, everything's going to be fine. So is that, is that, do you think I'm done then? He said, yes, I'll make it dead on the beat, every, every right on the one. He said, very Germanic, on the one, every verse. You know, not holding back like Cozy would. Mm-hmm. He would song back right and yeah I, I, a singer does you know you don't go duh, 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 duh. you know it's not sort of um yummy 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 i got it in my tummy and I, it, it's not like that it's not like that it's ah you know it's that what's one and a bit mm-hmm. and that's but, but he said don't worry graham it's gonna be on the one very german like and he changed it around a bit but i think i think it was okay but uh um, that anyway. sounds awful but, well, no, no, Michael's he's a, he's a great guy, but he's German. <laughs> but, but, but just, <laughs> just, just, just the concept of sliding everything to lock it yeah, right on. Yeah, that doesn't sound like Yeah, that, see, I want music that makes me feel. It has to be human. If I want, I mean, if I want to hear a march, then yeah, absolutely. That has to be where it needs to be. But apart from that, no, thank you. But he's a great producer, a great songwriter, et cetera. You know, but he just said, I just thought it was funny. And he said, I laughed. You know, I said, oh, don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say one other thing I did want to say to you, Graham, is that uh, something really inspires me about your story. And uh, you you mentioned it earlier and it kind of casually. Um, and I think about this with a lot of artists. David Coverdale is another one where just one simple decision completely changed the course of your life. Mm. You know, when you auditioned for Rainbow, you said, it's not really my thing. Yeah. I don't want to do it. And from what I understand, it was your manager that kind of maybe saw a couple of dollar signs and talked you into it. But your choice to do it changed everything for you. Mm. you yeah, know? it did. Yeah, no doubt, you know. And it changed also, not to be ego-tripping here, but it uh, changed everything for Rainbow because suddenly they were on the radio with this right. pop song, mm-hmm. you know, which we tried to, they tried, the band tried to make it a little heavier. I mean, it's, I think I love that 
since mm-hmm. that version of Sinji being gone. Not because I'm singing it, but the way it was played. It was played right. with anger because they want to get the fucking track over with. Well, if <laughs> I understand right. Cozy said he wouldn't play it again after that. Is that yeah, right? Absolutely. <laughs> he hated it. And when I heard the title, you know, because uh, I've been going, when we were recording, I remember people walking around the studio and People going, are we doing that song since you've been gone? And I thought, oh, since you've been gone, must be a bluesy. Since you've been gone. You know, it sounded like some kind of a, you know, bluesy tune. Right, yeah. And I heard the, the track from a, a girl band called Clout. Uh, they did a version of it. I'd never heard Russ's version, Russ Ballard's version. But I heard this, I thought, what the fuck? Uh, yeah, how can, we, how can this be changed around to suit the band Rainbow, mm. who was so, 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 so-called heavy rock? Yeah. And because it was like, um, oh, yeah, did it, did it. Wow. instead of whoa, 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 instead of the whoa, whoa, it was do, which is very sort of jolly and gay, you know. Yeah. But it was, um, so anyway, as I said, I think the band played it with anger. Uh, Roger played it with sincerity <laughs> because he knew he knew it would do something for the band, right? And so our, our manager, you know, uh, Bruce Payne, he, he knew too. Because yeah. Rainbow, I never heard of fucking Rainbow until they joined the bloody band. <laughs> you know, and, uh, I heard every band like Bloody, bloody Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin, etc. on the radio, but Rainbow, no. I heard Deep Purple, but never heard of Rainbow. I knew who they were. But this put them on the on the map of it, and I think oh, yeah. it because we did that freaking song. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I I, uh, I did I did forget there's one other question I wanted to ask you if you don't mind. Uh Listening to what Rainbow did on Rising and how well Cozy was very aggressive on that album. You know, he was yeah. he was so energetic, putting in all kinds of colors. And then you listen to Down to Earth, and he is so straightforward on that album. Mm-hmm. And he was the same when he joined White Snake, the Slide It In album. Yeah. If he hit five toms on that whole album, I'd be blown away because it was very much kick hi-hat and snare as it was with uh, Down to Earth. Was that strategic? Was that decided in any way? I mean, I know that the tracks were done before you joined, but I'm wondering if you have any insight on that. Well, he, he wanted to get it over with. He wasn't very happy with the album at all. You know, he just wanted to go home and go back to Oxford. And when he'd done his drum tracks, which took him, you know, whatever, not very long, you know, a couple of minutes. And it took a while. You know, let's say, let's say it was a week for every freaking song, different versions, etc. And uh, and as soon as he was done, I remember getting his Mercedes with a Mars bar in his hand and going, the window go there, right, see you, cunts later. <laughs> and he, he went to get catch a plane and fuck off, you know, back to Oxford. But um, then after the album was done, all, when all the vocals and all the great bass parts were put down, etc., and Richie did his playing and Don, I mean, Cozy, I mean, Cozy came to my house one after it was done. And he said, have you heard the album yet? I said, yeah, uh, Roger brought me a copy. He said, you fucking saved it, man. He said, it's fucking... Uh... And that's that's why I fell in love with Cozy and said, will you marry me? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but what, what a compliment from... What a, a great musician. Because yeah. I thought it was okay, but I didn't think it was going to have the reception received eventually. Mm-hmm. I mean, as I said, since you've been gone, Rainbow, everybody knows it. Right. I mean, I didn't like the song particularly. But because it, it wasn't like the other stuff, you know, um, Lost in Hollywood, I, I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's me. And yeah. Down to Earth, you know, I, I mean, uh, um, the eyes of the world, I get down to Earth, me, you know, that thing with the globe, anyway. But, uh, <laughs> but when Cozy when said that, that, was, that made my freaking day, I can tell you, because I didn't think it would go where it went. That's all. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, and it was a new territory for you too, because rock and roll yeah. really wasn't, Absolutely. wasn't your thing anyway. No. Uh, but no, that is a nice compliment. But I was just curious because, you know, he was so aggressive on rising and then on down to earth, he's just yeah. so metronomy and straightforward. Yeah. I mean, he, he like the lost in Hollywood intro and eyes of the world. Yeah. He was a little more, uh, you know, uh, aggressive on, but uh, yeah. for the most part, he but, was very straightforward. That's right. Well, you listen to, um, what do you call it? Superstition. That's uh, very, that's cozy. The boom, mm -hmm. hey, boom, chick, boom. And it just happened in the same studio as Stevie Wonder. And uh, and Stevie spoke to him and said, hey, you're a drummer, Cozy Pal. Oh, wow, well, yeah, okay. Hey, Cozy, can you just be a, do me a boom, chick, boom, chick, you know, straightforward like that. Mm -hmm. And that's, he got the session done. It, it was a session. Right. So he knew how to do it quickly. So no yeah. fucking that. Yeah. Boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick, you know. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Very straight, very session player-ish. Mm. And that's what he did on this Rainbow album, I think, because he wanted to go home. Yeah, well, it worked. You know, and maybe for, and maybe for that style of music, it was for the best, because if the drumming would have been too aggressive, you know, it would have lost the audience. You know, those little, those little, little yeah. symbol things. And, oh, it's like, yeah. that's Cozy Powell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's yeah. definitely a recognizable. If you hear it, there's a good chance Absolutely. you'll know it's him. Yeah. yeah. She loves wow. it. Yeah. I, well, you know that. I, I I just wish she could have met him too. Oh, that, yeah. Same yeah. here. I met him, played with him. Yeah. 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 I just want to say thank you guys so much. I, I appreciate you taking so much of your time to spend with me today. I've been wanting to do this for a while, and I'm glad we were finally able to. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you guys both. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I seriously could not have asked for more. These two were so generous with their time, so open and honest, uh, didn't, you know, didn't back away from anything that I asked them. Uh, great communicators. Beth and me is so articulate. Graham is so passionate. I mean, just absolutely wonderful people. And take some time to check out the work they've done because it's really amazing. Uh, so much good stuff. I love the Graham Bonnet Band album, the book is great because it's a double album. They uh, they redo some of the older songs through Graham's career and then new stuff. And it's it's just great. Uh, Born Innocent is the last Alcatraz album that Graham did so far. More coming. Lots more coming. So I wish them the best. I thank them so much for their time. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you in the next episode, which is the review of Assault Attack. Cheers. Cheers.